0: What's up, everyone? This is your incredible and amazing and most humble podcast host ever in existence. I'm kidding about all of those adjectives, but this is James Watkins with the Five Solas Podcast, and I am excited to be recording today, whatever day you're listening to. And I'm I'm glad you're listening, regardless, because I am sitting here with perhaps the most important guest that I've ever had on the podcast, and it's not a matter of perhaps, it is... The most important guest I've ever had on the podcast. Even more important than that almost Dr. Good Reverend Frank Mullis, it is my wife, Shelby. Hi, Shelby.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: So, Shelby, are you the most important guest that I've had on here?
1: I hope I am.
0: You hope that you are. Well, everyone, this is James's wife. I'm sitting right here side by side with her. So if you hear me kind of, mm, it's because she's poking me in the side or something like that.
1: I wouldn't do that.
0: You would. You do it all the time. But guys, I am excited to have my wife on here. We've been wanting to do this episode for a while. We're going to kind of give you a little bit of a backstory on our relationship. Uh, some of the challenges, trials that we have faced and some exciting news that we are going to share on the podcast. We've shared it on social media, but for those of you who are not on our social media, you're going to hear it on here. But also something that I do want to go ahead and let everyone know is that next week, my wife and I are going to be recording with Daryl and Karen Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. Newest members of the Christian podcast community. Excited to have them. Are you excited to record with them?
1: Super excited.
0: Super excited. You sound, can you say super excited one more time in a super excited way?
1: Super excited.
0: That sounded the exact same, just a little bit louder. Over
1: excited. <clears throat> <Uber. clears
0: throat> See, she just poked me in the side. I'm kidding. She didn't just poke me in the side. But we will be recording on a very special topic next week that my wife and I are very excited about, very passionate about. So Shelby, what are we even doing here recording today?
1: Well, we thought that it would be best to go ahead and just kind of let everyone know who we are
0: as a couple. Yeah, because we are recording on a very specific topic with Daryl and Karen uh, next week. And so before we started recording on that particular topic, we wanted to give everyone a little bit of a backstory on us. So I wish I had my Rode Procaster set up right now with a drum roll. <laughs> I'll just do it myself. Did that sound good, everyone? <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Uh, The topic that we are going to be discussing with Daryl and Karen is going to be on the topic of fostering and adopting. That's right. We have some very, very exciting news, but we're not going to reveal it right now. We're going to talk a little bit about how we met. Are we going to do that? Yep. So first things first, Shelby, am I a good husband?
1: You are an amazing husband. You're very, very supportive.
0: I was not expecting that answer, but thank you so much for telling the world how amazing. I told everyone I was humble.
1: Am I a good wife?
0: Yes, you are the greatest wife I have ever had.
1: I'm your only wife? <laughs>
0: <laughs> then that makes my statement even even more true. There you go. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, and, and folks, we're just shooting from the hip here. We really don't have much of, a, much of a map in front. We don't have any kind of map in front of us, actually, which is a little bit different than how I normally record because I am usually very OCD and don't shoot from the hip much.
1: I just fly by the seat of my pants.
0: The seat of your pants. What does that even mean?
1: I don't know. I'm from the South. We have all kinds of crazy (laughs) sayings.
0: Yeah, so whenever we say something crazy here, we can always make the excuse. Well, I'm from the South. That's how we do it here. But the South (laughs) wins because we have sweet tea. Uh, True that. Boom. Well, so let's give everybody a little bit of a background. Shelby, I I think we need to be introduced to you a little bit. Our listeners have been introduced to me. And for everyone who doesn't know, Shelby is the technical whiz behind the podcast she is the one that handles all of the setting me up so i can record Uh, we have some new equipment donated to us that is hopefully sounding very good to you guys right about now what do you think about the new equipment shelby
1: i love it it's going to be exciting to learn how to use it
0: (laughs) it is it is and we had a little bit of a crash course but let's move into it a little bit shelby they know who i am i've given my testimony on here it was like a 45 minute episode that you had to edit that is true
1: all of his deep breathing and everything.
0: Yeah, so recording the podcast is the easy part. It's everything that comes after that is a pain in the rear, such as all the deep <gasps> that I take whenever I am forgetting to breathe. Uh, that's that's very uh something I guess that God has designed that we must do in order <laughs> to be able to to Properly speak?
1: Yes, one week I'm just going to upload the podcast so y'all can see exactly what it sounds like before we edit it because it's every other word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. that
1: Not as bad as Frank's. Um, so, mm, ooh,
0: mm. We're calling out the good Reverend Almost Dr. Frank Mullis for uh, <laughs> We said that we were going to uh, make a little clip of all of his. Uh. <laughs> um But we love Frank as well. He's very near and dear to us. Shelby, let's move into it. Uh, We've we've kept them guessing now for about eight minutes. Uh, Let's move into it. So tell everybody a little bit about you, who you are. Uh, Don't give them your address. Don't give them your social security number or driver's license number. Don't do that. But tell us a little bit about you. I I know everything about you. Tell them about you, though.
1: Okay. I grew up in south Georgia area. My parents were divorced. I was in and out of church with my grandparents my whole life. I claimed to be a Christian. I was in a very, very charismatic-based church where I went with, you know, all my friends. We had a huge, huge youth group. I had a very, very, very crazy youth. I turned 18, thought I could do whatever I wanted to, moved in with my grandparents. Because me and my mom butt heads.
0: And now you wish you could be 18 again, don't you?
1: Yeah. I actually (laughs) texted mom the other week. I can't remember what happened. And I was like, just one day, one day, can you pay all my bills for me? (laughs) (laughs) And just let me be a child again. She told me, uh, no.
0: So, Shelby, so you said that you were in a very charismatic church. You said that you had always claimed to be a Christian. So, Were you not actually converted or?
1: I really don't believe I was.
0: How long were you in church?
1: On and off from the time I was born until probably roughly around 16, 17 is when I really started hanging around the wrong crowd and really going into the sin of a lot of different things um, completely rebelling against my parents and every value that I was ever taught growing up. I never really got caught doing anything. I never really.
0: There are thieves out there like that too. Yeah, I don't know, <laughs>
1: but I never really like pushed I pushed the limits, but I didn't drive the limits to the end. My dad was never really in the picture. He was in and out. He worked out of town a lot. So I really didn't have that to fall on. I did have my grandfather, and he is still my rock. My mom is remarried um, to my stepdad. He is a wonderful man. But growing up, th- from about sixth grade till now, had a drug problem. So he was sober for five years. He relapsed. He was sober for two. You know, he's relapsed. So it wasn't ever like a... Super revolving door with him, he was more consistent than my father, so I was always scared to do anything like that, and also, my mom owns a beauty shop in the middle of the small town I live in,
0: yeah, so that means that she has a lot of pair of scissors, so if you messed up, she could have easily stabbed you in the net, but she didn't
1: no, but she would hear anything and everything
0: so that just goes to show that the uh that what they say about beauty shops and barbershops is at gossip mills
1: yes it's very true but so anyway I turned about 16 17 and I really started rebelling and started drinking heavily doing what I could to barely skim by in school I turned 18 and thought I knew everything in this world
0: you know everything in the world right now though don't you no really no I have
1: learned my lesson, and it was a mutual decision. It was kind of I wanted to leave my mother's home, and it was she wanted me to leave her home. So I moved in with my grandparents, and at that point I was still like, you know, my mom don't want me. She's more focused on other things, and my dad's living out of town, and he has this new girlfriend when he comes home. He don't ever see me. So I rebelled some more and so he was working out of town and he came home and seen her kids and so it just it just really pushed me further and further and further away from the church We'll move on x number of years after hitting rock bottom with a bunch of different things in my life and really just not having anything to grasp on to I was. Done with people, done with boys, boyfriends. I was done with all of it. And so I started going to church again with my mom. Again, this is a very, very charismatic church.
0: Whenever you say, uh, whenever you talk about charismatic, what were the kind of things that you grew up around being in that kind of church? Like what kind of things did you experience within that environment?
1: Talking in tongues. Laying of hands, people falling out, running around. It's about what you can do. I want to say that I was an adult before I ever, besides, you know, the ABCs and so vacation Bible school, before I ever really grasped the gospel. Because I really don't ever remember it being shown in that light that it, it was more about how I handle myself and how I go about life and what I do. And this basically is the, you know, the scale going to tip in my favor.
0: Yeah. So it it had a lot to do with, uh, I I know, I know because you and I went to the same church um, whenever I was first saved. And we were there for a while, and it was more along the lines of we must live the gospel and not preach the gospel. Is that kind of what you come up with?
1: I would say that is correct. Um, Something that really stood out to me in that is it was more about putting on a show and getting someone in the door to make them feel good Yeah. than it was about... Anything else, it was how dark it could be, how much lights you could have, how loud you could get the music to give those people those emotional response, because if you play the same chord over and over and over and over and over, and it's a chord that tugs at the heartstrings, or you sing in that verse along with that chord, it's going to make somebody get emotional.
0: So you mean that if I sing our God is an awesome God, he reigns 73 times, and that's something that can emotionally manipulate someone?
1: Yep, I've seen it happen.
0: Yep, and we have experienced it ourselves firsthand, side by side. Uh, So, you know, oh, whoa, whoa, I was about to go into something a little deep there, and I stopped myself. I'm proud
1: proud of you.
0: (laughs) So, uh, folks, we're going to get a little bit more in-depth on this. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with you. Hey, I'm Daryl, and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the host of the What Are We Even Doing Here? podcast the podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe
1: to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here.
0: Grace and peace. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Five Souls Podcast. This is James, and I'm sitting here still with my amazingly beautiful wife. She's only poked me in the side once. Thank you.
1: And he hasn't kicked me out of the room, so I think we're doing good.
0: Well, you just go into the other room. Either way, you're still going to be in the same house. Might as well live with you. Thanks. No problem. <laughs> so before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about Some of the experiences that we had in the church that we were in prior to salvation. Shelby, when, though, did you actually get saved?
1: I can honestly say because of me growing up in a Southern Baptist church, I can say that I do believe that I've heard the gospel, maybe not presented like I know it today, but I can honestly say that I definitely know that the turning point in my life is when we got baptized on the same day.
0: Just to kind of give a little bit of background on that, I can't remember the exact date. I know that it was in August of, like, 2013. I believe it was, like, August 18th whenever we were baptized. I believe that's right. But so the week prior I, is is the week that I believe that I was saved, the week that I know that I was saved. But I remember them, them doing an altar call. And the grace behind this is that we were saved in this church despite that church. Is that at some point in our lives, we had heard the gospel from somewhere. Thank God. And that seed was planted and it blossomed. And by God's grace, we were not married at the time. We were dating. But the week prior, and you actually weren't there that week No, at the it was
1: the week that I had to work that weekend. I couldn't get out of it. I tried and I... I did not know that you were getting up and going to church.
0: Well, I didn't get up and go. I was working uh, the job that I had. It was right down the road from the church. And they had agreed to let me, because I had to work every single Sunday, but they had agreed to let me leave, go to church, and then come back. So that week, I went to church. Shelby wasn't there. And at the very end, they did an altar call. And that's whenever I walked up to the altar. You know, I have very strong feelings against altar calls right now, specifically relating to Charles Finney. But that is the method in which God chose to save me is on that day. Thank God he had been drawing me for quite a while. So the next week they were having baptisms and... I got baptized and Shelby got baptized on that same day. And I agree with her. I think that, that was a turning point, not only for our relationship, but salvifically as well for her. So with this church that we were in, going back to what I said about this was more of a live the gospel not necessarily preach the gospel. So I remember the pastor being on the TV, and he made the comment something along the lines of, you know, they were asking, what are you guys doing out here? Well, we want to live the gospel. Here's the thing, people, is you cannot live the gospel. The gospel is a verbal message that must be presented verbally. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Oh, look at that. So proud of her. High five. That was a high five sound (laughs) in the background. (laughs) And not with your
1: new mixer,
0: yeah. Not with my new mixer. I didn't make that. Oh, that's something though. I need to get a. Yeah, so we'll record a high five sound. So that was that was really along the, along the lines of what we were being taught. I remember the turning point for me the the part that really made me see the falsehoods behind the church. I don't know if I've ever told. Let's we'll see this.
1: if this actually matches up with I, mine.
0: So Shelby and I are together. I don't I don't think that we're married. At this point, I think that we're still dating. But I remember that we went to this little marriage seminar that was being held at the church. And Shelby's laughing and nodding her head. So I'm assuming that this is about to match up. High five it again. So we're we're at this marriage seminar. You remember the marriage seminar?
1: Yes. And this is exactly where I was going with it, too, because I left there so mad and just Completely disgusted.
0: So we went to this little marriage seminar, and we were dating at the time. We weren't married. We We were engaged. We were engaged. We went to it because we were like, you know, this is something that I think we could benefit from.
1: Well, this it technically was something we thought we could benefit from, Mm -hmm. and we were excited about it. But it was also the pastor of this church was going to marry us. And this was part of our marriage counseling for him to sign off and for him to actually... Do the ceremony.
0: Yeah, I forgot that this was part of the marriage counseling.
1: And this is why it was so just livid.
0: So let me tell you a little bit about this this little seminar. It's a one-night seminar, and I remember them constantly saying, we wish that we could have had it in a location outside of the church because we don't want people to feel like they can't speak their mind, blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of graphic talk that was there about people speaking of uh, sex outside of marriage, all that kind of stuff. But so there were some things that I took from it, believe it or not. There were some things that I really did take. Yeah. From it. Uh, I, I respected the pastor that night. Uh, him and his wife were up on stage. And I, res- I respected the fact that he was basically confessing on stage a lot of his sins, that he was uh, very prideful, that he was very um, self-motivated. I respected that.
1: But looking back at it, it was a way for him to seek attention, I believe.
0: Possibly. Yeah, you're probably right. You're a lot wiser than I am, so possibly. Sometimes. Yeah, most of the time. High five.
1: But no, really going back to the beginning, what really, and this is not the thing that really just made me livid. First thing out of his mouth now, this is a Christian seminar on marriage in the church Where you have, you have, I'm saying they were running a good amount of people at this time. Yeah,
0: so this was a sanctuary. I would say that the sanctuary held comfortably at least a minimum of 150, 200 people. Yeah. And I would say that there were probably that many people there. Yeah. Uh, And most were frequent visitors of the church. We didn't have membership at the church. They, They didn't have church members. Um, it was more so of a come as you, come as you please, do as and you. And if you
1: come every week, then volunteer. But anyway, yeah. so we're all sitting there. And I'm telling you, there's probably 50 couples in this in this mm-hmm. meeting. And-, and,
0: and, and again, the atmosphere, going back to the atmosphere, you know, we song... Songs and all before, yeah. Uh, we did it, and you know the atmosphere, the lights and all were dimmed down. It was mm-hmm. very emotional-driven songs. So I mean, it was it was the same kind of they they were wanting the same exact thing as mm-hmm. a church service while trying to market it as something other than
1: yeah. And so we're sitting there, and the next thing out of his mouth after they sing, it was like welcome, and then the next thing it was. There are people and couples here today that God wants y'all to go home and just get a divorce, and I yeah. think at that point in time, me and James both looked at each other and was just kind of in it was, like it was a disbelief. Little bit, yeah,
0: it was a little bit further into the seminar though, because that's the that's the thing that gets that got me. Is I, it
1: real? Then I have a different one.
0: No, 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 no. It's it's basically it's the same as that thing. It was just a little bit deeper into that seminar. Like it was, it was towards about the 80% mark through the seminar uh, because we were sitting there getting stuff, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie I mean, There, there were some things that I, that I pulled from it, but about 80% through, you know, he was asking people that there were like three or four different stages of marriage uh, and, and different situations that people were in. You had people who were thriving in marriage and then at the very other end of the spectrum, you had people who were close to a divorce. And he asked for those couples that were at that point to raise their hands. And there were a lot of hands that that shot up. The next thing that I remember is him saying that one of the best things that some of you in this church can do right now is go home and get a divorce. And then he said, God doesn't want you to get a divorce, but he doesn't want you to treat each other like crap either. And whenever he said that, that is what made it click with me that something is very very off here
1: that is one thing but the thing that made me livid and the thing that really i guess sent me over edge and made me just kind of put up all my brakes and my walls and just build them back up with with getting back into the church afterwards kind of it kind of split off and the men were sitting together in a group and the women were sitting together and they were talking and now when i say he, I'm speaking as in the lead pastor, the one that you know, got up Sunday morning and preached, looked at the guys and said, "Yeah, I look at women all the time," but basically was saying, "I look at them, but don't act, so it's not a sin."
0: Yeah, I remember that conversation as well.
1: And it was like he, he
0: used he said something about faith without works is dead, and somehow applied that because he's not acting, it's not sinful.
1: And I remember. It was like I don't know a couple of minutes went by and the man kind of broke off and James came and got me and we, before we even left the building, he kind of mentioned this to me. I just remember like my blood pressure getting high and I could feel my face getting red and I was just ready to like bolt
0: yeah, because the point is is that the standard that Jesus gives is that even if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you commit adultery in your heart. He says nothing about your action. Of course, your acting on it is sinful, but your thought is just as important. That is the standard given is in thought, word, and deed, and we all feel completely and totally miserably at that.
1: So from that point forward, um, James started asking more questions in our small groups, kind of like our Bible study and they kind of started blowing him off when he would ask and say, oh, that's not important or don't worry about that. And then
0: do you remember the, the kind of the big one is that the small group was passed off to, to you and I to, to head up as a group study. And we were doing that and I had made a Facebook post. Uh, and basically I said on the Facebook post that Jesus did not die for your bank account. And that was a blow up like that set people in the church off of the deep end. Um, I was blocked by a lot of people that night within the church. I remember getting a phone call from the person that passed the small group off to us, basically saying that I can't say stuff like that. And I remember saying in a nutshell that if it's against the truth of God's word, then I can't withhold it. And pretty much after that, the small group just disbanded pretty pretty it much. was
1: kind of it was kind of not really sad, but it was kind of known that
0: James is turning into a Calvinist avoid yeah <laughs> well i was I was asking questions about predestination, and I was getting blown off about stuff like that and i and i mean this and i'm and I'm not getting this because I'm reading John Calvin or anything like that. I was literally reading the scriptures, and I was seeing this terminology in the scriptures, and I had started connecting the dots with these doctrines. And so, Okay, so in Jeremiah, he says that the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Wow. Uh, John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Why can't I come to him? Because I am completely, totally depraved. I can't do it. I have a total inability. I can't come on my own. Well, how do how did I come to faith? Ephesians chapter two. He predestined us. And I asked questions about it because I mean this is a mind that's a mind blowing topic. You you had trouble with it. Whenever. Oh
1: yes, exactly. I remember us sitting down and when you fully grasped it, it explained it to me and me just crying.
0: Yeah. Like I just
1: felt like I was completely just blindsided that I've been lied to my whole life
0: well and if you listen to the episode last week with Jamal bandy about him coming out of a cult real there is a lot of emotional trauma that's at the root of this i mean there there's a lot that you know it it would literally take two hours to break down every event that really led to us leaving the church mm-hmm. it, it, it's very extensive it's very very painful
1: oh I, yes because it it not only is it is it extensive in the fact that we were that we were growing in this knowledge and being rebuked from the people in the church, but our own family?
0: Yeah, that was probably the most difficult. Um, and at this point, right here, we
1: still weren't even married.
0: We we were married,
1: and, and it was it was probably about a month before our wedding is when James really started connecting with Frank and talking with him and asking these questions. And instead of Frank blowing him off
0: well do you know what caused it is i was about to teach a small group on the doctrine of the trinity and i posted my notes on facebook and he seen uh some of the notes and he he called me and he was like that's more than it's on patrick
1: (laughs) but so like james was really starting in in touch with frank and talking to him and kind of moving along with our story that's what really made Frank come down to the wedding
0: well I had invited him um I, I did invite Frank because initially I wanted Frank I wanted Frank to do the wedding because of you know him being influential and basically me being alive so <laughs> true so I wanted Frank to do the wedding but we got caught up into the in the church that we were in we I, I'm just gonna say we were we were being kind of brainwashed in the touch, not God's anointed things like that. And so I mess I remember messaging Frank on Facebook and I told him, Hey, I, I, I think that we want our pastor that we're under now to do the wedding. And Frank, you know, Frank was cool with it. He said, you know what? I agree that I believe in pastoral authority in that, in that respect. So I completely agree with it. And Frank did it. And uh, I invited him to come down to the wedding, but I don't, but I'm with you is I don't think he would have, he might have come down, but I, I think he had a little bit more of a drawing to come down because we had been interacting a little bit.
1: Yeah, and he also, Frank, which Frank actually prayed for us before the ceremony, before I was even dressed. James stood on one co- side of the corner, and I stood on the other. We <laughs> have a, a picture there's a, somewhere. Yeah, there's
0: a picture of it. Is I'm completely dressed up, and I think you were running late as usual <laughs> because we, me and Frank went up there. They had... Uh, our pat the pastor that we were under at the time had hidden my dress shirt from me in my hotel room and so i was freaking out before i was like where did my shirt go <laughs> so that, that was hilarious uh but um frank frank was there for all of that for a good bit of that and i asked him i said i would really appreciate it if you would pray with me and shelby before we got married and he agreed so we got into the elevator went to shelby's room and you know the 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 tradition you can't see the bride before the wedding so I'm standing at on one side of the corner, she's standing on the other, we're holding hands, and Frank's kind of in the center, and he's praying for us, and if he shared the gospel in that prayer, I remember the prayer.
1: So Frank is definitely, with him, sharing the gospel and the prayer, and talking to James, and being such a big part of our life now, it, it kind of all branched off from, you know, him being there, and James randomly messaging him that night. Yeah.
0: It's a and, lot of providence in this.
1: Yeah, exactly. And
0: how long was it after our wedding that we fully branched off? We'll see. We got married in November. It was. It was
1: the next June. We, no, it, was it was our one-year anniversary. We became members of the church.
0: Yeah, our one-year anniversary. We became members of the church that we're at now, Devereaux Baptist Church. And we were
1: there about three months or so before we became members.
0: Okay, so if I'm remembering correctly, the whenever we split off from the church was around June. I think that it was around June. Yeah. I think it was right around June. We broke off from the church after, cause it took me a while to kind of put everything together. I was struggling a little bit with all the questions and, um, uh, you know, the, the marriage seminar before all of this. And, you know, at that point I should have never let him officiate our wedding, but hindsight's hindsight's 2020. So we were married. We, uh, June or so, we split off from the church for a couple of months where we're not. uh, We're kind of going back and forth between French Church. We weren't going every single week. And then we started going steady, and then we become members. And I think Andrew Rappaport was there. But, uh, folks, we are going to dive into another aspect of this conversation right after this quick break. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, J. Warren Wallace, and Gabe hughes andrew has the rap report daily which is a two-minute monday through friday podcast and then the longer rap report podcast for more content subscribe to both today by searching for rap report on any podcast app spelled r-a-p-p report or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org welcome back everyone to the five solas podcast this is james still sitting here with shelby i've Hi. enjoyed doing this shelby Me too. So we're probably going to have to do a little more often.
1: That sounds pretty cool.
0: So uh, at the very beginning of the episode, I made mention that we were going to be recording with Daryl and Karen Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. Again, newest members of the Christian podcast community. Give them a listen, subscribe, share their stuff. They are phenomenal. They are a husband and wife duo. They record together every single week. Kind of, you know, I kind of, kind of see where they're where they're going here. I, I kind of like the flow of this, you know, just kind of vibing off of one another.
1: I kind of like being behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, behind the you never see this part, do you? No. Yeah, you you sat um, whenever Frank and I did the limited atonement, we were at the fellowship hall at church, and you snuck in and basically watched us. But it wasn't creepy at all. Just a person sitting in the no. back staring at us. <laughs> I'm
1: generally the one setting up the computer, and
0: she's the managing editor. Is that what you have on?
1: <laughs> I don't even remember, but anyway, so we wanted to kind of just go on here and just give a quick update on who we are and who I was, and introduce make a little bit
0: give uh give everybody a little bit of familiarity with this amazing and beautiful voice that I get to come home to every single night. I promise I haven't done anything wrong, but so we are gonna make a little bit of an announcement so. Shelby, we this uh, year November will mark six years that we have been married, right? Yep. How how these six years been?
1: It has been a roller coaster. Um, there has been good and there has been bad times. Nothing is perfect, but really, really,
0: yeah. So we're gonna get into a, some a little bit of those imperfections, I guess. Yes, because look, that's the one thing that um I've always been vocal about. Is that I want to be very transparent. I here's we're real people. We are very, very real people. We have trials, tribulations, real
1: problems,
0: real problems. I have very real struggles. Don't I have? Don't I, Shelby? We all do. <laughs> Me more so than others on some days. And thank God for an amazing wife. He who finds a wife, finds a good thing. <laughs> High five. So, uh, so we have been married. This coming up, November will be six years, and. Like Shelby has said, we have had our ups and downs. You know, within the relationship, there's always things that we personally have to work on to improve our marriage, to become better Christians, to become uh, a better husband or a better wife.
1: So, just a better person in general. Whoever said marriage was easy? And I've heard it. I've heard it a lot. Oh, well, it's just it's just easy. You know, fifty years. Oh, it's
0: not. It's a lot of work.
1: <laughs> Going from living by yourself. No matter how long it's been or living with your parents and moving in with someone, it's...
0: It's a complete shock. It's a
1: shell shock. It is really is. It's a complete
0: shell shock because not only are you having to adjust to your routine, you're having to accommodate other person's routine and then develop a new routine together. And
1: Y'all, he is so OCD that <laughs> you you just can't even mess with his routine or he just throws uh, them off the whole week.
0: I get up out of the bed every morning. I do the same exact thing in the same exact order, and if I do one thing off... It throws me off for the majority of the morning.
1: <laughs> it's so crazy. But no, so we have had our ups and downs, and I, I really think that one of the biggest Struggles is and is something that's really not, I guess, discussed a lot in the Christian community. Would be Christians going through infertility issues. We do discuss, you know, seeing people go through the healing seminars and for, you know, physical or mental issues. You discuss, you know, why abortion is bad, but you don't really discuss the deep down problems of the infertility.
0: Yeah. So just going back to it, one of the things I always want to be is very transparent because, you know, you've been in church for a while. You've been in church longer than I am, saved or unsaved, however you want to yeah. look at it. You've been in church a lot longer than me because I didn't step foot into a church until I was about 24, 25 years old. I'm 31 now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you grew up in it. So yeah. you had been around pretty much uh, Sunday mornings. Everybody's putting on their, their happy face. They're, they're, uh, We're putting on our best our suits. Church,
1: our, our church face.
0: Yeah, we're putting on our church face. We're only showing the good side of things. We're not really... We're not showing the transparency, and I think that that has hurt the church. I think a lack of people being real about the day-to-day struggles within our Christian walk has affected the church. And here's the thing, too, is that we all know that the prosperity gospel is rampant. We all know that they're exporting to the poorest countries in the world this promise of health, wealth, success, fulfillment of all your dreams and desires. But you know what? We're neglecting the reality of the gospel call within the church itself. And with doing that, we are not being transparent. We're not being transparent. And therefore, we're not being honest about what we should expect as Christians. And something that we should expect, and we've discussed it with Frank quite a bit, is suffering. So there is some things that we have gone through, you know, other than the personal stuff, which we have always overcome. High five again. I'm
1: saying, and there's something else is that, When you have such a good community of Christians around you, you know, our pastor, Frank and Rosalind, they can say, you know, hey, we're disagreeing on this subject right now, and they can be open and honest that that it's not always rainbows and butterflies.
0: No, it's not. There's a lot of pain in it. Um, Because
1: I'm I'm telling y'all, some days he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, and it's like,
0: Dang. Well, if I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, why don't we just switch sides of the bed? And I know. wish
1: it was that easy some days. Yeah,
0: I know. But I'm saying,
1: and then there's days where I just wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and I'm just ill. And it, that has nothing to do with, with with anything. It's just a bad day. And Christians really don't discuss that. Sometimes husband and wife are like, I need to walk away before I say something to hurt your feelings. And we do that a lot because we are both very vocal. We are both very open with each other. But we know when we get frustrated to walk away.
0: So here's the thing is what I admire about the church that we're in now is it's such a small congregation. We all love each other. And Here's the thing, though, is that whenever, because we're such a small congregation, whenever something happens in the life, lives of one of our members, we know about it. And I'm not saying that we know every intricate detail possible of their marriage yeah. or anything that happens. But, you know, we just recently had a church member, our house burned down. And, you know, I've been encouraged by the show of support that she's had. Uh, that her and her husband have had uh, leadership within the church you know whenever we speak about the transparency what I'm talking about is not necessarily uh, yeah this bad thing's happening in our life It's, it's, it's being honest with the reality of the struggle that we are facing within and That is something that we have struggled with for the last almost six years now. Shelby and I have been trying to conceive. We've been trying to have a child of our own. That's something that her and I have both been very uh, passionate about is that we want to be parents. And I don't know if you want to go into the issues, maybe... Um, so yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, we say we want to be transparent. We might as well be transparent, right? Exactly.
1: So I think, I think it took us about a year. We discussed it heavily before we got married that, you know, we're not going to prevent if it happens, it happens. And I think after about six months, we were really like, you know,
0: Hey, what's going on here?
1: Yeah. And it was, it was just, you know, six months and then a year and it was like, you know, it, it's been a year, you know, we, we've said before we got married, we want to have kids. We still feel the call to.
0: We both have a very strong desire to be parents in the life. And, and, and here's the thing is that, that all life that comes into this world, and I discussed this on my abortion episode, uh, Modern Holocaust, of many months back now, is that any and all life that comes into this world, God is sovereign. He is completely in control of the life he allows to come in or the life he doesn't allow to come in. And that is something that we had to come to grips on. But you know, leading up to within that first year, we kind of knew we, there were there was a, there was some writing on the wall. That there oh, was an yeah. issue.
1: Well, and I've always had issues with different things, and I've always kind of known in the back of my head, I guess, that you know eh, this might be a little difficult. Um, just growing up with my mom's it, with my mom's health and my grandmother's health, I kind of always knew that. So, about after a year, we really started going to um, a doctor here. We love the local doctors that we've been to. Mm-hmm. And, and I was
0: fortunate because, you know, you. I remember you telling me a lot of guys don't like the, the women's doctors whenever they meet them. And I was like, man, I don't, I mean, I can understand why, you know, it's... You know, I don't I don't want nobody touching my wife or anything like that. Yeah. But I was very we were very fortunate. Like the doctor people recommended him and it was like a home run. Like he he's incredible, he really is.
1: So we, we started going to him and you know, they would do ultrasounds and blood testing and exams and, and I think it was I think it was honestly was it our first appointment? We we had a slight scare. Um, he found a lump in my breast, you know, it was like, we're going in for this, you know, joyful thing, you know, we should get some answers. And it was kind of like, doop, doop, doop. We was, got kicked was, back five steps. I'm going to, I'm going gonna,
0: I'm gonna to thump the microphone, but I want you to imagine that this is a fist in the gut. Fist in the gut. Yeah. So,
1: so it was like, you know, it was like, oh crap, you know, we're going in to try to solve this problem. And it was like. You know, here's come, another one. Yeah, here's another one, and it was what come back in
0: come back in a, uh, come back in like three they, weeks. Well, yeah, they did the blood work and all. They were like, let's let's set another appointment of three weeks. It might resolve itself. is yeah, what and they I, said.
1: And we said so we took I took some vitamins they prescribed. I took some other medicine they prescribed, and went back. Everything was fine. And then it was like we turned around. and Was like, okay, well then what's the other hurdles we're going over?
0: We did some rounds of, of medication. Clomid. Yeah.
1: Um. We did. Two rounds of the lower dose, one round of the medium dose, and one round of the high dose.
0: Well, and you know, we're being transparent here, and I think we have a very mature audience that's listening, and we want to kind of document this for for sake. So, just kind of the, the issue, the non-graphic version, of course, we're not going to do that, but... Kind of the issue is, is that you had not had cycles, and because you weren't having cycles, there was no ovulation. If there's no <laughs> ovulation, there's no way for fertilization to occur, occur.
1: Exactly. So the process with the Clomid, if any women out there has this issue, if you've been trying for a year or two, you can go to your doctor and you can request this. Basically what it is, it is a pill. They will give you... I, and off the top of my head, I honestly cannot think of the medicine that you have to take at first. Yeah, I think it was you have, you have progesterone or something. something
0: like You have to take a medicine that forces basically forces your body to have, to a, have cycle. a cycle.
1: And then you take on certain days, and it's like you literally have a calendar, and you have to follow it to a T. So we did multiple rounds of that, and they would up the doses. And then after the two small doses, he did the medium dose and then he did the high dose and he said i only do the high dose one time um we want to refer you to a specialist so you know at this point i think i was more devastated than james
0: well whenever because we had always kind of been told as well is that that they believed that the issue was really stemming from cysts on your ovaries right is that uh, polycystic mm-hmm. ovarian syndrome is what is what it was called
1: Yes, but they never, because of, because PC, it's called PCOS, the thing you have to remember is it's very, very hard to diagnose. It has to be perfect timing for the test to show up these. So every time we did it, they suspected it, but they couldn't really confirm it. Yeah,
0: and we had a lot of doctor visits where that was a case where we would go in, you know, with high hopes that, hey, we're about to find out, we're about to get some answers only to leave with a lot more questions.
1: Yeah, and, and that's something else, is that if you're going through this and you're struggling with something like this in your life, don't ever stop if you have more questions. If you have more questions, now we have, you know, the wonderful world of Facebook. There's groups, you know, message me, you message James. He'll get you in touch with me. But so we were referred over to a fertility specialist, and the reason we were mainly... Com- referred over to him was because he could diagnose PCOS, and they also thought that I may have something called endometriosis. Endometriosis can only be diagnosed with an exploratory surgery. It's not something you can pick up on ultrasound or blood work or anything like that.
0: But the, the, the reason why they suspected it is because there were symptoms that you had that kind of lined up with it, so you know we're not going to go into like the, the symptoms yeah. and all. I mean, you know, I mean, cause it's quite extensive, um, and you know we don't want to say something that would have somebody misdiagnosing them themselves. Of yeah, course.
1: never diagnose yourself, but always ask questions. So we went to this new doctor, and it, it was crazy because it was like a random appointment. It wasn't anything where they had to make me take some medicine to try to get the best result. And then we went to this appointment, and we're sitting there. And they're doing the ultrasound, and they're like, yep, you got PCOS. And, like, they showed it to us on the monitor, and it's very yeah. weird. They, it, it looks like a ring of pearls. And so it was It was just very weird. It was like random timing. This random doctor does one ultrasound, and within he two fi- seconds. He finds what
0: hasn't been able to be diagnosed in over a year. Yeah, uh, and within and two actually seconds. Actually, it was a little bit longer than a year. Yeah, so, so we go to this doctor, and he, um, you know, they – they see the uh, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So we end up setting up because, like she said, the only way that you could really diagnose endometriosis, and endometriosis, from what I understand, is uh, is tissue lining that's outside of the uterus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the and that right there was playing into a big part of the fertility issues. So on top of that, no cycles equals no. Ovulation, no ovulation equals no fertilization. But on top of that, we're dealing with cysts on our ovaries and we're dealing with endometriosis, which in and of itself uh, would, I imagine, is pretty painful.
1: And it's, it's very weird because I really, I had some symptoms of endometriosis, but I never really had like the pain portion. But they went in, um, we, we paid the, the copay and all of this for this exploratory surgery to hope find some answers.
0: And so they do the surgery and they come out and they tell me she was like that she does have, uh, she did have endometriosis. I remember them saying did, she did have endometriosis and i and they said that we were able to, uh, that we were able to laser the endometriosis off. And I was like, cool. So this means that in a few weeks, we can possibly start making a baby. That's what the doctor told us is that, yeah. you know, we wouldn't be prohibited that we could pretty much start trying to conceive again.
1: And then they gave us, it, like, it was like, okay, well, yay, good news, and we're on this high. And then we go in for my follow-up for my surgery, and they give us this piece of paper of our plan. Yeah. And it was like, bam, five to $10,000 right there laying on the table. Yeah. For what we needed,
0: because it was was still going to be difficult for us to conceive. Not impossible. We've never been told that it would be impossible for us to conceive. But we had a plan, a conception plan, and you know it was a lot of injections that Shelby would have to undergo, and it had it would be about five to ten thousand dollars. And this is something that we were going to have to come out of pocket on. And i will be honest with you, five to ten thousand dollars is you know that's a pretty big gap. You know, getting to five thousand is difficult enough, but much less getting to ten thousand. Yeah. So that is a that's a roller coaster that we're still on is trying to climb that hill, so to speak.
1: So after about six months or so, I got online and I started doing some research and I got hooked up with this this group for endometriosis and then come to find out this money and it was how much?
0: So are you talking about for the surgery? For the surgery. Yeah, the the surgery, I can't remember the amount, but the uh, amount was very, it was a good bit. It was a surgery. But come Um, to find out that the practice was outdated.
1: Because there's not much research on endometriosis. Endometriosis and PCOS are very, very hard to diagnose and very Nobody knows what causes it. Nobody knows how to fix it. Well, there's this new there's this new technique where you don't laser it off because lasering it off causes it to come back. Come back.
0: And it had come back.
1: So, you know, it come back after the surgery. I was having a lot of pain. I was I was miserable, couldn't get out of bed some days. So, we found a specialist and
0: Jacksonville. Jacksonville, Florida. We we live in middle Georgia. Uh so this was the Four
1: hours. Yeah,
0: this is the only doctor that was in network. So we go down and again, this is just gonna be so much money that was gonna have to be coming out of pocket to, to fix this. The
1: surgery to for them to go in to do this, this and this was this much up front. Well, your insurance ain't gonna pay for this and your insurance ain't gonna pay for this. Now I work for a company at this point with really, really, really good insurance. But because these are technically considered experimental surgeries, because nobody knows.
0: They weren't approved. Yeah. Nobody knows
1: much about these issues. So we just kind of just took a step back.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, this is an issue that, that still needs to be addressed on our end from a health from a health standpoint. But, you know, as far as us being able to conceive naturally, that's not something the Lord has blessed us with right now. And, and you know, I mean, of course, the cost of it is absolutely insane it's in crazy. and of itself. So that's, that's a hill so, that we're having to climb. So with all of that said... Within all of this, within all of the doctor's visits within all within the surgery, everything like this is that her and I both Shelby and I both had been struggling with this is that this was an area where we really did not have trust in God, I would say yeah um I think we were kind of met with we were met a little bit with confusion. In one respect we were met with a little bit of anger, a little bit of resentment.
1: Yeah, because in this process we we kept seeing people who were living in sin, teenagers in our own family, people in our own family that had multiple abortions. It's like bam, yeah. bam, bam. They're just they're just, you know,
0: yeah, getting pregnant. They're, they're just popping out babies and then they're they're sitting there contemplating abortion. And Shelby and I are sitting there, we're getting angry. We're like, you know, these people are being given such a gift and their first thought is let's destroy it. And that was something that we struggled with was us having anger. We didn't uh, honestly, we were like, you know, like, why would God bless this person with a child? But we actually want to raise up a child in the ways of the Lord and we're not being blessed. And it it took us a while to really come to grips with God's sovereignty in this in our life.
1: And I'll, I'll go as far as to say that you came to it faster than I did. I would agree that that within the last, not, I'm not
0: saying that out of arrogance that I <laughs> no, agree, but no, but you, I did, I, really I did. I found I found an inner peace with it quicker than she did, and and you know I, I attribute that to number one is the people that are discipling me is that they were they were very vocal in me trusting in God's sovereignty, and you know it's at some point I said it last week that or a few weeks back that we're more in line with open theists than we are with Calvinist theology that God is all powerful, all sovereign uh, mm-hmm. that, I mean, nothing, none of that, none of this that we have gone through as far as the infertility, none of this is surprising to God. No, no.
1: And well, and then you you getting through it, I think is what really helped me because you being able to process that a lot faster than I was, you was able to focus on my needs and and my, just my emotional support system. You were there for me.
0: So yeah, we really struggled in that area. We've come to grips with you know. I mean, yeah. we we have we have a few days where we kind of have like little, where oh,
1: yeah, I have moments
0: where the rain will kind of seep down on us. But and we're gonna move into the news right now. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, have y'all been? Have y'all enjoyed this episode? I've enjoyed doing it. I have too. Good. I've enjoyed doing the episode. I I want to do it a little bit more often. She's my she's my she's my right hand. M- one
1: man,
0: one man. Yeah, one man. Uh,
1: I'm your partner in crime.
0: Yeah. So something that Shelby and I have always wanted to do, um, even before we were faced with these issues of infertility, something that we had discussed was that we always wanted to adopt. That was something that we always wanted to do because here's the thing: there are a lot of children that are in the systems. What that? What? What were we told? There are fifteen thousand. Kids in the uh, in in the, in the foster, foster
1: care system in the state of
0: Georgia alone. So there are a lot of kids that are within your very own state, within our state, who are in desperate need, and that's just the foster system. That's not even counting the ones that are in like the adoption homes and all this and that. I don't believe. That's
1: I don't I don't know if that counts any of like the private adoptions. Like, the people who are pregnant who are already in an agency to adopt their child out, I don't think that accounts them.
0: Yeah. So, something Shelby and I, we've always wanted to do, though. We've always wanted to adopt, and we had talked about doing fostering. So, what we decided to do was we were going to foster and then move into adoption. So, we are crossing that bridge now.
1: Yeah, it was a very interesting way it went about. We... um. Frank, see, Frank's always in the middle of our stories. But anyway, so Frank's brother and sister-in-law actually went through a private agency. And, you know, anytime somebody says private agency, you know, money starts flashing in my eyes. Yeah. Because when we were looking originally to just adopt, you know, it was like $40,000.
0: Yeah, and you know that's uh, that's something that we all see, right? It's like it's so expensive to adopt, but it's so cheap to get an abortion. Oh uh, yeah, and that is a fact that you know is very unfortunate. However, listen to this, people. The agency that we are going through right now, as far as the fostering goes, it is a Christian agency. We actually had to sign a statement of faith. Yeah. that we held to specific points, like we held to the doctrine of the Trinity, we held to the deity of Christ, we held to the sufficiency and efficiency of Scripture. There was a lot more on there of course about, you know, I mean, and, and here's the thing is I'm not going to sign a statement of faith if, if I don't believe in it. If it was something that was promoting like modalism or something like that, I'm not signing that statement of faith.
1: <laughs> and he would y'all. So it was kind of, you know, we went to one of Frank's daughter's events and his brother showed up and his wife and they were talking and it was kind of like, bam, I got all this information. And we talked about it for about four months or so, and then one day I was like, you know what, I'm just going to see if if this is something they would even consider allowing us to do it. So I sent James the most random message. I'm like, hey, I need you to type something up for us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm always the one. uh, I'm, I'm very good grammatically. I'm very good... At writing. So I'm always the one that has to type things up. So, and he's
1: like, what is this for Shelby Murray? <laughs> yeah, so
0: we talked about it. And whenever you're listening to this recording, uh, we will have been done completed our certification for fostering in this program under the state of Georgia. Uh, we completed a couple we- uh, a couple weekends ago now? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, we completed a couple of weekends Last ago, weekend. As of the, last weekend, as of this recording. Uh, very good classes, amazing classes, a lot of good theology in the class too because mm-hmm. of it being a Christian organization. So we have completed the classes and all that we need in order to be able to foster in the state of Georgia. Uh, the only thing that they have to do is we have to allow DFACTS, which is the, the Georgia system where kids are placed into foster care. They are going to come in, do an evaluation of the home. May, uh, Tell
1: us what we need to child proof.
0: Yeah, we have to put these child-proof things on the door. They're going to come in and do that. Once we are done with that, probably around... Uh,
1: hopefully beginning of August.
0: Yeah, pro- probably within a, in the next couple of months anyways. We will hopefully have our first placement where we will be foster parents. And here's the thing is that with with the way that this works... Is we can be a respite home, which means that we can basically be babysitters, <laughs> foster yeah, children. Yeah, if,
1: if a foster f- uh, family has you know an issue or a problem in the in their family, a death or something, or, or they just or need, to get need away. a break because you know, believe it or not, some of these families get caught up in issues, and these children have siblings.
0: Yeah, and you know, here's the thing too is that I realize that. The thought of fostering or adopting, it can be very intimidating because whenever we were going through this class, you know, we're getting hit, bam, 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 that these are the kinds of kids that are coming into this system. And it's really a matter of very unfortunate circumstances from drugs, from physical abuse, sexual abuse. You know, we can become a respite home where we are basically taking kids in two, three days or so, and then they go back to their regular foster home. Uh, We can take placements to where they're with us for a few months. But the thing that Shelby and I are wanting to do is, in the state of Georgia, is you have to have a child in your home six months before you are eligible to adopt that child. And that, of course, is assuming that parental rights have been completely terminated. So Shelby and I are aiming to foster with intention of adopting. You know, you, we see the arguments all the time, right? You know, Georgia just signed this new heartbeat bill in, and, you know, there's a comments and threads everywhere on, like, our local news outlets, and people are on there, I hope that means y'all going to be fostering. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that, that argument doesn't work with us because that's something that we do want to do. But here's the thing is we believe that there are many, 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 did I say many? Did I say yeah, many? I say just many? a little. Many? Many, there are many other people out there who have the ability to do these things. And I think that we have a responsibility in a way.
1: Exactly. And something you have to remember and something that you have to get right in your heart, I guess, and something that we really struggled with from, you know, from my dad's adopted. Something you've, you know, I've always struggled with is, well, if I'm just a foster parent, These kids are going to come in my life, and then they're going to leave. And I think something that we really had to get past is that if we can be that one person, a stable home for one week, and give them three meals a day, and show them that somebody loves them, and show them the love of God,
0: Let's do it. That's
1: <laughs> one week of some kind of stability that they will have that yeah. they didn't have. in, And, you know, something that one of the points that I never, ever, ever thought about until the class was that the main goal of being a foster parent and being involved in a respite home or, you know, something like that is not just to take these kids and just Pull them from their parents.
0: It's to strength, help strengthen and rehabilitate their situation to get them back with their parents. And, you know, that could be a good thing, could be a bad thing.
1: Yeah, but if, 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 if we do, you know, get a placement and we they think the rights are going to be terminated and the parents straighten up, then... And the, and they do do great, and they love this child, and they are there to be that parent to that child, you know, and we're just Aunt Shelby and Uncle James that they came to live with for a little while. Okay.
0: But, you know, another aspect that I'm looking at, too, is that if this child comes into the home, this is a child that has been neglected, say, This is a chance for us to show the love of Christ to someone that is in desperate need. This is a chance for me to disciple someone. This is a chance for me to share the gospel with someone, to maybe even plant a seed in which salvation may occur.
1: And I I
0: think in that regard, I have a responsibility to do that. And here's the thing, and this is that transparency thing, is it ticks me off whenever we have people who are constantly saying, you're an idiot for doing this. No, we just realize that we are a lot more fortunate than some people are, and we have the ability and the capability right now to be able to care for more than just ourselves and There are fifteen thousand kids in this foster system in the state of Georgia who need help because there' if here's the thing fifteen thousand kids in the state there's not fifteen thousand foster parents in the state.
1: No, and so another point that they brought up in the meeting is I believe there is enough churches. Yeah. Not not even going into like denomination or whatever.
0: If here's the thing is is what we what we learn in the class is that with the amount of churches that are within the area in the area that we're in in and of itself if just one family in each of these churches were to step up and become foster parents there would be no kids within that system without home. So there is a huge need within the state of Georgia in and of itself. You know, of course, we don't know the situation of all the other states. There's 49 other ones out there. And there are kids out there that are in desperate need of people to step up to be willing to make that sacrifice. And here's the thing. We get it. We understand. We the, our, our life is about to take a hit. In a way, our life is about to take a pretty significant hit.
1: Oh, and, and it's not that it's rainbows over here either with this situation. It's scary. It like, I, we came home, what what night was it, the second night of the class? And I've cried. I was so just overwhelmed with all the information and, oh, my gosh, we could get a child like this, and how is this going to impact us? And James was there, you know.
0: Well, and on top of that, too, is is people do put buds in your ears. And I, and I get that there are people out there, they're, they're wanting to look out for your well-being. They want to, you know, basically make sure that you're thinking this through. And here's the thing, we have thought this through. We've been thinking this through for a very long time now. Uh, it, it just feels like this is the time to do it. And if it doesn't feel like it's the time to do it, then we're going to have to be able to discern that whenever the, whenever that comes in,
1: whenever you get that call,
0: yeah, I mean we'll we'll have to discern that and make that choice whenever we get a call for replacement. Uh, and 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 again, I do understand that people are just wanting to look out for our well being. They want to make sure that we're prepared. But you know there there's been a you know we've we've seen a lot of uh, hateful stereotypes, a lot of hateful comments. These kids are so jacked up. You know don't you don't want them in your home. Just, just leave them, okay, let's just leave them in the system then. And I mean, if if that's the mentality that we are going to have that, well, you, you, don't foster. I'm telling you, it's going to jack up your marriage. If that's the mentality that we're going to have, then we need to let people just go ahead and murder the babies in the womb. If If we aren't going to step up as a church and actually – help these children that are being placed in these systems uh the, then the people arguing for abortion has a very good argument well are you going to foster these kids are you going to adopt these kids if our answer is going to be no then what are we doing so ladies and gentlemen so i don't want to get too far into it because i imagine some of these topics are going to be things that we are going to be discussing with karen and daryl on next week's podcast it's going to be an interview it's going to be we're going to have a, a A great conversation. I think it's going to be four of us going in a conversation. It's going to be fun. You've never, you never talked with them either, have you? No. Yeah. I think you were actually at, um, at one of the certification classes whenever I was doing the interview with Daryl, found out that they were foster parents. And
1: yeah, that was it because, um, We you had that one scheduled for a little while and
0: couldn't get off of work and
1: you couldn't get off of work in time to go because we had to drive an hour. Yeah, we had to drive an hour
0: to the classes. But I don't want to give away too much. But you know, I just wanted we wanted to give you guys a little bit of our background as far as like what we struggled with, who Shelby is. I hope you learn who Shelby is. You'll get to know her a little bit more. I love her dearly. So, next week, we're going to be doing the episode with Karen and Daryl of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. We're excited about that. We're excited about releasing it. I'm excited about releasing this one, too. Me, too. You're going to edit it. (laughs) But... Uh, some of the things that are coming, uh, like I've been saying is we have the five souls gospel track series coming up. I'm excited about that. Here's the thing too. And I'm excited about this is the vision has always been to launch a full blown ministry and what that consists of. I don't know yet, but I'm just gonna, you know, we're, we're just going to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not into our own understanding, acknowledge him in all of our ways and let him direct our paths. So we're going to do that. And we're going to see where this takes us. But what we are going to do is coming soon is the Five Solas Ministries. I'm excited about that. Whoop, whoop. Shelby's got to design a website. Can you do that?
1: I have winged it this far. I think I can handle a lot of things. <laughs> he threw me under the bus. He's like, mm, I need this done. I got you Photoshop. Here's the laptop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's marriage, though.
1: Hey, I, hey, I've learned a lot. I, I love it.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very interesting episode. We had, like I said, we didn't have anything planned on this, but we're going to release it. Whoop, whoop. High five. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, this coming next week, we are going to be with Karen and Daryl Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast on the topic of fostering and adoption and they're a little bit more experienced at it than us i believe that they have had some placements we're going to talk to them about that about their experiences should we even foster what are we even doing here fostering so we're going to talk about that i'm excited about it so with that said ladies and gentlemen we are going to call it quits at this time this has been james watkins here with my fantastically amazing wife shelby watkins this is james with the five Souls podcast and may all that you do be done to the glory of god